This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Chauncey Johnson. And if you don't know who the fuck that is, you're going to learn today. Uh, Chauncey is a real one. Uh, He grew up in the Connecticut scene, the old hardcore scene. You're going to hear some great stories about seeing Hatebreed for the first time, literally their first show, touring with Hatebreed. Get to hear some real fun touring stories. Is Danzig a dick? You're going to find out. Chauncey has been someone that I've been trying to get on the podcast for quite a while. Basically, since I started the podcast, there are a couple people uh, that are kind of peripherally known in the scene. And Chauncey's one of them. Uh, another one was Jeremy Saffer, who uh, is a world-famous photographer, especially if you're into rock, metal, and so forth. Uh, probably there has been a photo of one of your favorite bands that he has done, uh, and probably images for magazines and so forth that you may not have been aware are his but they are. Uh, but I remember reaching out actually to both of them and they were like, ah, you know, I don't really do those kind of things. And it was very whatever. Um, but you know, like, uh, like a friend of mine, Dewey likes to say sometimes on his podcast, um, sometimes it's better to have had these things happen years later, uh, when there's more to talk about and there's just the timings better, but it finally worked out to get Chauncey on. He's been doing the hard times Twitch stream with Keith Buckley of every time I die, the OG homie of his as well. Uh, they play video games like fall guys, which is what they're currently doing. Literally right now I'm watching them play fall guys and, uh, having a good time. Just, you know, playing this game, losing Keith likes to rage quit or just, you know, get really animated. Chauncey likes to throw back his, uh, his witty one-liners and so forth. It's it's a great time. If you are not following them, Twitch TV, hard time stream. Go find it. It's a great time. Uh, they also watch a lot of TV shows and just 
riff on basically those things um but chauncey is someone that uh, i'm so glad i got to have on we talk rap we talk you know bootleg merch chauncey's kind of in that in that you'll see in the video if you watch the video version of this chauncey's wearing a space ghost perp shirt that he uh that he made a nice boot with a good fade on it and uh you know we just cover a lot of shit it's a lot of fun and i had a lot of fun actually having chauncey come on there's a smile on my face i don't know if you can hear it um but it was a lot of fun uh, i would say you know tonight this is what i'm drinking um but i actually started to do some intermittent fasting uh so it is past my eating and drinking time uh so currently i am drinking uh, another 18 ounces of water to try to get to my 100 and something for the day i'm pretty close i think i got one more glass of this once i'm done uh so i will use what i drank this weekend um and you know i don't it's funny i don't really talk badly about beer that i drink um so i'm not gonna say that i drank i'm not gonna tell you the bad beers i drank actually let me rephrase it i'm not gonna tell you about the bad ones i drank i'm gonna tell you about the good one i liked um so we were up to my wife and i went up to traverse city real quick uh for a camping excursion and we went to go get some lunch and have some beers at this place called rare bird uh brewery and they had I wanted to do flights. They had a lot of cool looking beers. Uh, unfortunately, they only ch- let you choose four that they want you to have. Um, so it was kind of funny when I was using Untapped. I was like, oh, I can tell everyone's done this flight and that's all they pretty much have done. So the only one that I ended up really liking out of the four uh, was this one called Vahal, V-A-J-A-H-A, Vahaha. I-, I-, I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce that. Um, it's a blonde ale, but basically it's a... Uh, it was a coffee blonde ale that had uh, hazelnut and vanilla flavors in it, and it was really interesting because like the the coffee flavor was so strong, and for a blonde, you know, it's it was kind of almost like stout porter esque in flavor, but like the the color and body profile was definitely of a lighter blonde beer. Uh, but then that vanilla and hazelnut flavor just kind of come in and really like smooth out the blonde ale part of it and just created a really nice balanced beer. It was, it was really weird. Cause like I said, it tasted like I was going to be drinking a Porter or a stout, but it was lighter than either of those. It was very refreshing. I, I would have enjoyed a, a full glass of that probably. Um, so if you happen to be in Traverse City, Michigan, and you find Rare Bird uh, Brew Pub, go check it out. I will say they're on some shiesty shit, though. They, uh, we got some pretzels, some, like, you know, brew uh, pub-style pretzels, those big monster motherfuckers. And uh, they said that they had a Stone Ground IPA mustard, but them motherfuckers is lying. It was just French's, straight up. There was nothing ground, no seeds, no IPA, no nothing. It was straight up French's. Actually, it was probably some, like, off-brand French's, you know. If I had a funnier joke ready, I would have said it there, but I don't. But that's something else we also talk about, too, is uh, the snack game. Uh, If you go, again, I'm going to plug the hard time stream one more time at the end of this chat, but I can't say enough good things about that. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Chauncey. I'll talk to you all on the other side of it. to kind of be super loose with this just because uh that's usually how these are more fun when there's no real agenda behind it yeah absolutely you know you know me too i'm i'm down the clown just <laughs> roll with it <laughs> so i guess uh for those that maybe don't know although i was pleasantly surprised when uh 
you and I were tweeting at each other, as, as the kids say, um, that there was a couple people that were like, yo, Chauncey needs to be on a podcast. Like, hopefully this happens. Um, so for those that maybe don't know you, you are from the East Coast originally, right? Like over in the Connecticut area? Yeah, I'm from Connecticut originally. Okay. Yep. And then, you know what? I mean, I've heard I've heard so many stories from Josta. If you listen to the Josta show of uh, basically him talking about, uh, you know, your days of touring with the band. I think basically you and uh, Lorenzo from Sworn Enemy are basically like the two old heads that basically he gets mentioned the most uh, from just wiling out back in the day. Yeah, and shit. What, uh, we were wiling back then for sure. What uh, how did you kind of get involved in that scene? Because uh, as we'll kind of talk in a little bit, um, I think it. I think some people are pleasantly surprised that you are as ensconced in old hardcore uh, as you are, given the fact that, you know, like you are right now wearing a Space Ghost perp shirt and, you know, DJing and such and playing with a lot of these different oh. artists that basically they might not assume that you have any any ties to the hardcore scene, let alone like the beginnings of the East Coast. Hardcore yeah, I, it's it's really weird when I meet people sometimes or I mean, it's not even weird. It's just like I've been around so many blocks, you know, that, you know. Some people who know me from the hardcore scene, you know, they might not know I'm involved in a bunch of other stuff. And then, like, you know, some people, when I play, like, a hip-hop show or an underground show or something, they don't know that I go and, like, <laughs> you know, listen to, like, Vane and stuff like that. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't I don't know. I've been – just been around, been around. So, Were uh, you ever – were you ever in any bands or were you just kind of always at shows? Um, I was in a band with F. Sean uh, from Hatebreed, Wes from American Nightmare, and Nikki from uh, Nothing. And he was in a horror show back then. But we were in a band called Exoskeletons. Just like, I mean, it was everybody's side project pretty much. <laughs> so it was never anything serious. But we played a few shows and it's pretty cool. We We wanted to sound like kind of like Atari Teenage Riot, but I don't know. <laughs> Given all our influences, it turned out a little different than that, but it's still still a cool little band. It's so weird to kind of think back, you know, because like when uh, having um, Jesse from Killswitch on a while ago, and we were just kind of talking about, you know, the, the beginnings of kind of that scene, really, where it was like you would have bands where it might be like, you know, a band like a Biohazard, which is kind of... I've kind of said they, they have more leanings toward what would become new metal to a degree. Cause they had that groove. They kind of had that yeah, swagger and that, that kind of rapping and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And they just kind of had something different about them more than maybe your AFs and so forth. But like, it wouldn't be weird yeah. to see some of these cross genre kind of shows that I feel like have like essentially gone away at this point, like where you would have, you know, maybe some hip hop on a show or some like weird, like indie folk thing on a bill. Yeah. It's a, it's funny. You mentioned biohazard too. Cause I saw, I saw them back in the day with uh, Onyx opening mm. and yeah, that was like my first like really big mixed bill that, and I thought that was so cool. I still love that dynamic on a, on a bill today. Definitely. And Do biohazard too. Funny you mentioned it. Cause they were like my, they were like my bridge to like, real real hardcore you know as, as people say you know they were like my transition <laughs> band into getting into like agnostic front and yeah mad ball and stuff like that absolutely 
what was it kind of like growing up in, in the Connecticut East Coast scene that was kind of it was kind of happening, but I feel like it was also kind of evolving because like there's sort of like the original East Coast hardcore of some of the bands like we've mentioned and so forth. But then, you know, you kind of from an outsider's perspective, I kind of feel like there was a little bit of like what like Hatebreed and some of the other bands were starting to kind of do where it was you're starting to see hardcore kind of going a little bit more metallic and kind of merging yeah, some of those influences. Yeah, what was it kind of like being involved in that scene and kind of seeing this, it, this shift? It was really awesome, man. And like, um, I mean, unless you're from like the East coast or whatever, you might not realize Connecticut is like smack, like in the middle of a bunch of other awesome scenes at the time. Like you're like two hours from Boston, like an hour from Rhode Island, two and a half from New York city. Like, you know, two out, two and a half, three from New Jersey. Like, so we were always like kind of traveling around and yeah, it was, it was really cool back then just to like, especially with, you know, seeing hate, I was at hate breeds first show, you know, and to like see them go from the, from the Bristol skate park to like <laughs> doing what they do now. It's like so cool to me, man. It's like, and I always root for hard. I know some people like to gatekeep and they don't want their favorite bands to get big and stuff. But like, I always root for bands from the hardcore scene, man. Like, they put in the work. You deserve to make a career off of it, you know? I've always thought that was kind of weird because I feel like for as much as, you know, being being from the East Coast myself, like I grew up in Delaware, which, you know, sort of, again, oh, yeah. nice. isn't nice. necessarily like a hotbed for music. Um, but it's like, you know, I know growing up, you know, a lot of the kids I was going to school with, like their older siblings were, you know, going to Philly, were kind of going to some of these other areas and bringing music back. And so it was kind of an interesting time for me where it's like, you know, I'm growing up sort of on, like, I'm not old enough to go to shows, but like I'm growing up on, you know, MTV and a lot of the stuff they're playing. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of people are bringing in, you know, like, it's funny because, like, I, I'm a huge Aaliyah fan, and I always tell the story of, like, my neighbor, I remember playing NBA Live 95, and he throws on that first Aaliyah record, and I'm like, what the what the fuck is this? Like, it wasn't anything I had heard. Yeah, Timberland and, beats, man. No, that was the R. Kelly record, that first Oh, one. the Kells record. Okay. Yeah. See, I like her stuff with Timberland. Same. Um, but it was one of those things where it's like, it didn't sound like anything really I'd ever heard, which then unlocked R Kelly, which then unlocked a lot of other stuff for me. But it's, it's just kind of weird. Cause I, I, I feel like, whereas in that world, I feel like there is, and still is a lot of collaboration. You know, you touched on the fact that a lot of people don't want to see their favorite, like hardcore bands get big. And I think it's so weird because you see in the hip hop scene, like if anything, they want everyone that comes up. Like how yeah, many, how many yeah. people have we ever seen where it's like, you know, this one person was part of a group and then he was the one that got on and then brought the rest of his crew up with him. And I don't, I just don't see that, that happening necessarily in the hardcore scene. And I've always wondered if it's always been that way. Like even back when, you know, like we're kind of talking right now, like back in the yeah. early, early days, or if it just has been something we'll say maybe the last 10, 15, 20 years where it's been like, nah, that band needs to stay down here for me to like fuck with them anymore. And once they get past this level, then they've sold out and I don't, I don't want them anymore. Yeah, I don't, I, I just, I don't get that. Like, fans are real, are real fickle, but I mean, I see a lot more bands now these days are, see Code Orange is always putting people on, and I mean, Joss has always been kind of like the, the band shout out guy and stuff <laughs> like that, but yeah, the fans are, it, it's weird, they don't, 
I mean, not everybody, obviously, but yeah, I don't. I I always want hardcore bands to make it. They're they're the hardest working bands out, you know. <laughs> like, who else is gonna play like a bingo hall to make it happen? <laughs> you know, <laughs> VFW or whatever. What are some of your uh, favorite memories from some of those the early touring that you did? Because like that to me, what little bit of touring I did was like cell phones had just kind of started coming out. And so like, you know, and they had things like book your fucking life or book your own fucking life and stuff like that. But I feel like when you were doing it, it really, truly was the wild, wild west. Like when you were going, yeah. you were gone for however long you were gone. And unless you had phone numbers and go to a pay phone, like that's about the only yeah. communication you have with people. Calling cards and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, so, some of my favorite memories from back then, probably, um, I'd have to say probably right. All those tours that Hatebreed was doing, like right when they were on the cusp of like transitioning to what they are now. Like, uh, I mean, they did like eight months with Slipknot on and off and like, that was really cool. Their tours with Danzig and stuff. Like I'm a huge Danzig fan. So that's, that the Danzig tour is probably the one that that sticks out the most but um yeah just their transitioning was like again like i said it's i was at their first show so it's always been been cool for me to watch them you know i'm not like i'm not as super into like heavy music as i was back then but they're definitely one of the bands i'll always like check for and like yeah just to see what's up you know what was touring with Danzig like? Because I feel like at that point, that was when Danzig was really kind of coming into his own as a solo artist, wasn't it? Um, he had had, uh, like, Danzig 4 had just came okay. out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. You would hear all these rumors about, like, oh, don't, like, don't talk <laughs> to him or don't, you know, like, like, but it wasn't like that at all. Like, he was totally cool, like... Um, he had Todd Youth from Warzone playing guitar, like rest in peace to Todd. He was he was his guitar player at the time, and just like, yeah, it was really cool, man. He, I like Danzig is like a surprisingly on the level, <laughs> like on the level dude. Like contrary to like most of the stories you hear about his, uh, what was the one in Texas? He he wanted like a uh, French onion soup before he took the stage or something <laughs> but yeah i never really saw any of that like you know he had a good crew i mean good bands yeah i don't know he's just just a guy i guess <laughs> what are are there any other stories that kind of come to mind of some of these people who have since then kind of become like larger than life personalities that you're like i don't I hung out with them and they're not really like that. Like <laughs> stories that kind of surprise you when you hear these that you're like, I don't, I don't know where this started from. Yeah. That, no, the Danzig one for sure. I just like, I mean, cause you, you know, you, you hear things like before the Slayer tour, you're like, Oh, don't, don't talk to Carrie King. He's a dick. And yeah, <laughs> dude's a dick, you know, like, <laughs> like straight up. But <laughs> Danzig, like, we definitely heard the don't even look at Dan, like, don't look them in the eye. We heard that about Danzig, and it was, like, first day of the tour, he's just up there, like, oh, hell, man, you guys out there in that van, I saw you pulling up, and just, like, totally cool, like, relatable, sat down, ate dinner with us the first night of the tour, like, just totally, I mean, I thought he was cool, you know? <laughs> 
I I always think it's funny when you sometimes hear some of these stories about people and you're like, where the fuck did you hear this from? Like, how did this rumor get perpetuated even? Yeah. And there's there's so much of that. And it's like, you know, it's always funny because I feel like Joss has got so many of these stories he wants to tell. And he'll be like, should I tell him? Nah, nah. I wait till like Chauncey gets on and then we'll just kind of chop it up. And (laughs) it's almost like he's waiting for you to be the scapegoat. So if like anyone gets into hot shit, he can be like, oh, that. That was Chauncey. I, I didn't say that. Yeah, he can blame. I'll take I'll take the brunt for Josh if I got to. That's the homie. That's the homie. What uh you know, so like Cardboard City, I think that's what it was called, right? CC. Yeah. I just always remember CC. Yeah, Cardboard City. What you know, that kind of I would almost call it like an artist collective of sorts. It's C yeah, from the outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. What you know. For those, I guess, real quickly, for those that maybe don't know, how did that get started and who all was kind of involved? Uh, Cardboard City was definitely the brainchild of Palumbo, Daryl Palumbo from Glassjaw. Like, uh, yeah, he was always into, uh, I mean, we all were like always into like Cage and the Def Juck stuff and, you know, Uncle and. Like, I mean, that's how me and Daryl became friends was like our other interests outside of like, you know, hardcore or whatever. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He just uh, he just ended up linking up with Cage one day and, you know, he was he was fucking psyched. We were all psyched, you know, and I don't know. It all kind of went from there. You know, Cage Cage did the did the record with F. Sean and I was his DJ and DJ for Aesop Rock and. Yeah, I don't know. It was just, just <laughs> really just the it, you couldn't you couldn't have picked a more like mis, mixed match like group <laughs> no. of people like. <laughs> but what? um, what's that? Oh, I was gonna say. I think that was kind of the interesting thing about it, though, is it seemed like the you had kind of credibility in a lot of different scenes. Like you know, it's like with kind of like what Cage was doing at the time. And even Aesop Rock, I kind of feel like was sort of in that kind of backpacky, you know, underground indie rap Absolutely. kind of scene. And then, you know, you had Sean and Daryl kind of fucking with, uh, what was that, Ice Bait or whatever? Uh, the House of Blow stuff that they House were doing? House of Blow, yeah, House of Blow. And, you know, that kind of touched more on, I don't want to say like trip hop, but it kind of was like a little bit of its own kind of thing. Yeah, like Melding of influences. And it just, and then obviously Sean and Daryl obviously being huge in the hardcore scene, you know, with Sean being in Hatebreed and Daryl obviously doing uh, Glassjaw and stuff like that, that it just kind of felt like you guys were kind of poised to almost maybe be some kind of like an underground label of sorts where you were going to kind of bring this underground scene up with you. And then it just kind of went away. Like what happened? Yeah, with it? you know, it was because everybody does it now. Like everybody's <laughs> got the collective and stuff now. It was like, I mean, really, before everything was cracking the way it does, like there was, there just wasn't a formula back then the way there is is now for for that type of thing. Because, I mean, obviously, if we came out with that collective of people, like you know, five seven years later, there would have been a blueprint, like you know, <laughs> get the SoundCloud going, get. But uh, yeah, back then we were just kind of you know, flying by the seat of our pants and whatever happened, happened. And I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's weird working with people. I mean, some people from that world are on the level, but like, obviously me, Daryl and Sean's like, we're from like punk hardcore, like that type of vibe. And, 
I don't know. It sometimes can get a little weird when you're tossed in the mix with guys who are talking about like spending their advance on a car and shit. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just like, but like, yeah, it was really fun. And I'm still homies with, yeah, everybody who's involved in Cardboard City. But, and that's the other thing too. When you get a lot of people involved too, you get a lot of fucking egos and, you know, you know how that shit goes. Like, most collectives like that don't last. And, has there, it would seem like with just the breadth of output that everybody kind of would be capable of on their own, is there still a bunch of shit in the vaults that like hasn't been released from? Oh my God, absolutely. Sean and Daryl, I'm sure just have like multiple albums worth of stuff because they were just like cranking them out for a while when we were all like, kind of living together in Connecticut and doing all this stuff for cage, like cage, you know, took like maybe 15 of the songs that they made. And you know how those two work. There's gotta be like at least uh, another album, maybe two <laughs> albums worth of stuff that like, yeah, never got used or, and Sean, I know for a fact, he's a, uh, this is what I like to call a beat hoarder. <laughs> he just like makes beats. And like he, I mean, even now too, he's not even really like proactive, like sending beats out to anybody, but I know he's still just making beats because that's just, I mean, that's just how he is, you know? Could we see a return of cardboard city? You think at some point? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I'd be down for a little like reunion thing or whatever, but uh, everybody, everybody does their own thing now, but yeah, it's just kind of funny. Cause like, like I said, I, you know, at one point, uh, I had run into Daryl. Literally, I ran away from like my wife and our like a friend of mine. We both took off and we saw Daryl at, at the U show. We're like, "Holy shit, that's Daryl!" See you later, bye. Uh, and went to go talk to him. And like, I probably punished him for like an hour. Uh, and then my buddy's like, "Hey, he's got a podcast." And I was like, "Dude, I'd love to have you on, but I'm gonna be honest. I don't want to talk about Glass Jar Head Automatica. I want to talk about House of Blow. I want to talk about oh um, yeah, you know, like he all these other that. things." And he was like, "Yeah, man, here's here's my email. Like da 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 da." And then I found the thing with the email on it recently, and I realized it i was like oh it's only been like two years and i was like oh no it's been like four and i was like hey man like i know we <laughs> talked about this like four years ago i'm finally following up <laughs> like so if you don't reply for another four years which i expect you to possibly not even reply to it but if you do then you know at least you're on my time frame of when it could happen yeah uh, four every years four, every four <laughs> years you guys will just link back up yeah, but uh, make, make that podcast episode happen in like another 12 years. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> funny when he pops up and does some, I'm like, maybe now I should like hit him up again because maybe he's actively checking his email. But then I'm like, eh, whatever. But like, it was kind of funny because it's like, you know, I at least had a really fun conversation with him for, you know, like an hour just kind of because no one knew he was out there because it was during the use set. But, you know, talking about, you know, House of Blow and he was like, oh, man, that was so great. I was like, yeah, I remember on your MySpace, you kept saying more shit was coming and they never fucking did. Like I'm still waiting. They have an album. There's a there is definitely a full house blowout. Man, that shit needs to That's come out. I never gonna see the light of day. I got it. It slaps. <laughs> well, I mean, if like this the couple of songs they had up were as good as that, if not better, then I mean Yeah. I mean that's the thing, is like, you know, that was kind of at the beginning because I used to hate Daryl's voice because like you know, harsh fact, I don't like that first last jaw record. I'm not a fan of it. Um yeah, but I mean, that that style is kind of like a, an acquired thing, anyways. Because I mean, I'll I'll be I'll, I'll keep it a, I'll keep it a hundred with you. 
I don't really like the whole, I mean, I think people assume I love like all sorts of stuff because I like the Deftones and I like Glassjaw, but I'm not whole, I'm not into the scream sing dynamic really. That's mm. not, I would, <laughs> I would like one or the other, but like, I don't know. They're obviously two masters of their craft and I love them both, but yeah, a lot of bands like, I don't know. I just, yeah, I didn't, I missed out on a lot of like, you know, poison the well and stuff like that. Cause I just wasn't really with the singy songy Mr. Lover shit, you know, <laughs> shaggy wasn't really, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no diss on it, you know, whoever rocks with it. I know right. people love some poison the well and like kill switch and stuff like that. But I didn't, you know, I was, well, especially back back that back when those groups like started popping, I just wanted the craziest, most chaotic, converge, caving ass shit that was out. Like coalesce. I just wanted it wild back then. I was not into that like structured like song <laughs> chorus. Like I just wanted chaos. I wanted fucking the daughter's seven inch, like people in a fucking show inside a storage bin like people just <laughs> jumping on each other like i wanted it rough rugged and raw back then well i mean that's kind of even an interesting thing because like i think a while back on god it had to have been had to have either been instagram or, or twitter but i think it had to have been twitter because i think i've been following you on that the longest um but coincidentally one of the things that like you and i like where I kind of was like, oh shit, we're kind of in the same interesting kind of world. Let me uh, share this with you real quick. So, a job yeah. I had, we made these. And I remember, uh, and for those who are going to be listening to this, uh, it's the Travis Scott rodeo tour. It's like one of his first solo tours that he did, like headlining. Yeah. Young Thug. I've seen it in San Francisco. You were, let's see, uh, San Francisco. Why am I not? California. Or no, San Francisco. Yeah, there we go. So you were like the third, fourth, last date. But yeah, we ended up printing these shirts. And it was funny because like I was like, Travis Scott, who the fuck is Travis Scott? Like, because, you know, they had the cowboy on almost all the merch that we were making. And I remember just kind of being like, oh. Oh, and his name could be misconstrued as like a country singer or something. Right. Sure. So like as, I'm, <laughs> as we're making this merch, I'm like, Travis Scott, who the fuck is this guy? And then like, I didn't think anything of it to like, um, to look it up at the time. And then we made like another like run of like Travis Scott merch for RSVP uh, when they were doing a bunch of collabs with like uh, him and Kanye and some other people. And then I was like, someone was like, Oh no, he's part of like the good music uh, thing that Kanye started. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then I, you know, basically found on the Travis Scott rabbit hole, but you were one of the first people like, cause I was scrolling through and then you had just bought the shirt or whatever. And I was like, Oh fuck. I, something I actually made, you know, I know someone that basically has it and yeah, you were talking yeah. and at the time you were talking about how wild that show was and how you were making the comment I have been kind of making with some of these younger, you know, hip hop shows that I've been going to with the artists where it's like it feels like the hardcore scene did back in the day where it's like people are going and just getting fucking nuts at these shows. Oh, it is absolutely bananas at rap. I mean, when shows were still happening, yeah, it's right. bonkers at rap. The the last show I saw before uh, quarantine went into full effect was uh city morgue and it was like i mean it's 
those rap shows, it's everybody wants to, like, everybody, that's what makes it so chaotic, is every single person, you're in the minority if you're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, have some drinks in the back, whatever, because everybody is there to just push somebody else around and get pushed around. And, like, yeah, it's those shows are so crazy, man. Like, the Travis Scott show is wild. If you go see, like, Bones or Xavier Wolf or any of those kids, it's like, people are stage diving and like, again, like I said, the whole crowd is like, it's one of those like mosh to survive kind of scenarios <laughs> where you're just like, <laughs> might get whisked into it at any given spot in the room. Cause people just, they go crazy. Yeah. It's weird. One of the first examples I'd really seen of someone that was kind of in the newer realm was uh, going to see Waka Flocka randomly. Like, it was like a Wednesday night, my wife and I are like, go see walk a flock of tickets are only like 30 bucks and we got nothing else to do and i was like fuck it let's go and it was funny because like it's weird going to some of these shows because there's a lot of parents at these shows because like they're just sitting at the table with like the merch hall basically while they're yeah wild and i remember like you know the show was supposed to be done at 11 technically because like it's an all-ages show and then like it's like 11 10 and i was like yo is this gonna be some like Chappelle shit where he comes out and he's like, you know what? You want to know what I think about this? You want to know, guys? That was my time. Have a great time. <laughs> and just walk off. <laughs> but it uh, was not like that. And he performed like a whole thing and just it went. But like I remember, you know, Waka comes out in the fucking sh- out into the crowd. And he's like, let's start a fucking mosh pit. And then like he like, yeah. and he's like, I know you two know about mosh pits and shit. Let's fucking go. And, you know, the crowd started getting kind of hype, but it was more of like the I got my phone and I'm following him kind of shit. And when we were kind of like, all right, fucking mosh pit, let's go. And, you know, you push moshing and shit like that. And then it just, push pit. <laughs> yeah. And then it just became this thing where like a bunch of people were like, don't touch me. And you're like, what? Oh, no. You we had like these soft like ass at a kids. walk a flock a show. I know. His show out in his first show out in San Francisco was wild. Mm. Absolutely like bonkers wild. Like people, not even people stage diving so much as it was so full and the stage was, like, wall-to-wall, like, club, just, like, girls and, like, people trying to, like, carry, like, fucking drink trays through and stuff. People were, like, falling off the stage. In the, <laughs> I, I kept saying, I kept saying, because I was in the, in the lighting booth in the back, and I kept saying, involuntary stage dive. Involuntary <laughs> stage dive, because people were just, like, there was no room for anyone to go. It's just, like girls in like nice dresses and high heels just like falling off the stage shit looked like a precursor to fall guys <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> people getting cooked <laughs> yeah it's fun I, I enjoy going to those kind of shows now but like i also it i just feel like you know like i feel like i've gone to a lot more hip-hop shows because like they're starting to come around a lot more you know r.i.p like dmx like that was one of the last hip-hop shows i got to see and I felt like a fucking fool because he was doing that 20 years of uh, It's Dark and Hell is Hot. So I fucking oh, yeah. listened to that record all the way through. And I was like, this is going to be really weird because like it's only got one hit and it's basically right at the beginning. So if he's playing this thing front to back, like there's not this is really going to be like for the true DMX fans because there's not a lot of like heat on this record. Yeah. Like, and so when I went to the show, like I'd spent all this time learning the rest of the songs and shit that I had long forgotten 
And so, like, when he came out and basically just played the, played the greatest hits, I was like, oh, shit. All right, cool. <laughs> <Way better. laughs> nice, though. But, that's what's up. But it was just kind of what I would want to. Uh, that's definitely, I would rather just hear a set of all his of all his bangers. I only got to see him one time, like, in probably, like, two or maybe, like, 99 or 2000. The hmm. show got shut down after, like, five songs. But it was just pandemonium for those. I mean, it got shut down because it was literally pandemonium. They stopped <laughs> it after the second song because the barricade was buckling. Mm. And then they just had to stop it completely because the barricade just collapsed. And there's like a bunch of people in the front and shut them down. Open up shop. Indeed. <laughs> when we uh, saw him the first time, uh, it was like this. I don't know if it was a full on tour, but it was like him, Slick Rick, uh, Naughty by Nature, uh eric b oh wow it was like kind of like the oh and it was like 10 bucks like we paid 10 dollars to go to this show and you know it was pretty cool like naughty by nature played like a a good set but like they only played like three of their own songs and then it was just like a medley of other people's shit and i was like what the fuck i come to find out when i tried booking them one time uh and i came pretty close and then like to the point where they sent me the rider even of like, okay, like if we're going to progress, like this is the rider, this is what you're going to need to provide for, for them to, to come to your show. And it was just full of bullshit. And then I was like, so am I getting this, <laughs> am I getting the same set that I got when I saw him open for, for uh, DMX? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, so they're only going to play like hip hop array, jamboree and OPP. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, they're not going to play anything else of theirs. Like I can't even be like, Hey, can you play like, you know, this song off of uh 1993 or whatever. And they're like, see, you're what's a niche fan. Like you actually like them. Most people just want to hear oh, those songs. Geez. So that's yeah, not what they do. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not paying the thousands upon thousands of dollars to hear them play three songs. Like, fuck that. And then like a used car salesman, the uh, guy was like, okay, so if this is your price point, would you be willing to take Warren G or Bismarcky? <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, I was like, uh, I was like, for for five grand, is it really worth hearing uh, just a friend or regulators? Like, can I be like, hey, for my five grand, can you just play those ones, that one song each for the full 45 <laughs> minutes? <laughs> but I did not book either of them. And then it was funny because Warren G like two years later did that regulators 20th anniversary tour and was playing like way bigger rooms. And I was like, uh, I should have booked him when he was like, cost me nothing. Just because yeah. they're funny. People paying hella money just to go here. Regulators. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's kind of weird because like I feel like the demographic now of a lot of these shows, like I I feel like a lot of young kids go to to some of these like hip hop shows and some of these older hardcore shows, but I feel like it's a lot of just like us kind of being like, I got some money again. Fuck it, I'm gonna 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 go relive part of my youth now. Like, do you feel the same way? Um, I'm not too big on the, on the reunion, like nostalgia thing. I'd rather go, I'd rather go see a newer band. Um, so you're not going uh, to see Bone Thugs for like the third time in a year? Oh, I went to go see Bone Thugs when they did the, uh, when they did their 20th anniversary and it, I mean, they got a lot of good songs too, so it was good, but yeah, I'm not. How, How late were they for your show? Oh my goodness! At least forty-five minutes, I would say. Oh, you are yeah. lucky. They were like two and a half hours late for ours. That's rap, man. I was. I just said the other day to somebody, I wish I loved anything 
as much as rappers loved being late to their own events. Like, why, why is that? Have you do you know? Because like I know from like having friends at venues, they're like they're literally sitting in the green room just smoking right now. They're not even. It's not like they're not here, dude. Okay, I have an absolutely <laughs> batshit bonkers story. Um, so my friend, probably about two years ago, uh, he booked Soldier Boy. Okay. Um, you know, the, the night of the show comes around, you know, tickets, tickets sold good, like packed house soldier boys, like just up in his room, just, you know, drinking, smoking, whatever. Uh, uh, this person from a dispensary who worked at a cannabis dispensary came and like, Oh, you know, I'm on, you know, I'm on soldier boys because security was trying to not let him in because he had a bunch of edibles and weed and whatever. And he was like, I'm this is for soldier boy. Like I'm on his list, whatever. Like they got it all worked out. Guy got upstairs. Like apparently soldier boy ate a bunch of edibles. And it's just <laughs> like it's like 30 minutes after he's supposed to go on. It's just like, what the fuck's going on? Like, where is this dude? But like hip hop shows are easy. If you play good music, people just vibe out and you know, you can, you can buy yourself an hour. You know? <laughs> like you, you really can. You really, yeah, like, I've you done can. enough rap. To- he buys himself that hour. Still not on stage. <laughs> Uh, maybe like an hour and a half goes by. Uh, nah, maybe like an hour and 20. And my boy Marco comes over, he's just like, dude, people like all Soldier Boy's people are upstairs. Like his DJ is up there, the two people he traveled with are up there, the girl he showed up with is up there. He's nowhere to be found. This dude just like bugged out on edibles, apparately, <laughs> snuck out, got an Uber, just went back to the hotel and was like, having a panic attack or some shit and yeah he didn't didn't play didn't play the show so speaking sort of to that like i fucked up my back uh today's wednesday as we're recording um monday afternoon like to where like i had a hard time walking even because i was like oh my back hurts so bad and so i came home and i was like all right i'm gonna like just kind of like ice pack it you know heat pad all that kind of shit so I ended up uh, deciding to, to just eat some edibles because I was like, you know what? I don't, really, <laughs> I don't really feel like smoking. It's whatever. So my wife bought these, uh, these like little, like hundred milli- or hundred milligram total, but like there's ten of them. Uh, so and weirdly, like they come in this like weird ice cube tray. Oh, I've had those, the cushy punch or something yeah, like yeah. That. Actually, that's exactly what it is, cushy punch. Yeah, I've had those. Hell so. Yeah. Me being me, I was like 10 milligrams, eh, whatever. Like, you know, usually when I take like edibles or whatever, I'm like, eh, I don't usually, I don't know, I don't really feel them as much. And I've been smoking a lot more. So I was like, I, I'm just fucking eat two. And I sat down for a while. I was like watching something. And then all of a sudden I was like, God damn, I am cooked. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Edibles and are a slippery slope. <laughs> they can be. They can be. And then I was like. So this is why I kind of like I used to be like the fuck it give me the edibles because like I can just kind of go on the ride. But then I was like, you know, I think there's something to be said about smoking because then it's like you can kind of tell you know where you're at and then you know it's going to go away yeah. uh, with edibles. Like once you kind of realize like I think I took too much, you're like, yeah, fuck. Um, this is like another at least hour and a half, two hour process yeah. of me just being yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> and edibles have come a long way too, man. Like. Just remember back in the day, just making weed brownies like 
all right, you know, maybe these will do nothing. Maybe these will fucking make you sweat for two and a half hours. <laughs> I had a, my wife's cousin made weed. Uh, what the fuck are those things called? Um, cornbread. Okay. And so like I ate one during, it was like football season. So I'm watching a lion's game. I ate one, one day and like nothing. I was like, that was weak as shit. So watching TV, like on another night, like two nights later or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'll eat these just cause I gotta get them. I gotta eat them before they go bad. So I ate one and then like my wife's like, Oh, you ready to go to bed? I was like, no, I think I'm here for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, she was like, what, what do you mean? I was like, that one I think had all of the one that was supposed to be in the one I ate the other day. And this one, uh, I'm going to be on this couch for a little while. And then she yeah. handed me the remote and I just like sunk into the couch and was watching like Rick and Morty and adult swim for like five hours. And I was like, I can't even <laughs> fucking move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Fucking homemade edibles are, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with them. And it's crazy. Cause back in the day, that's all there was. There was none of this like, lab testing and all this like this is you were the lab you know a hundred mil yeah you exactly (laughs) you were the scientist yeah (laughs) not only am i a client but i'm also the president (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that shit gets crazy like i've been noticing you've been posting a lot more and you know actually uh speaking to one of the guests i just had on uh aaron smallhands um you know these drinks that are basically thc infused like it's crazy to see some of these ancillary products that are starting to come out. And, you know, it was kind of funny because like in looking at different jobs, excuse me, um, you know, like they'll say, like, I remember like, cause here in Michigan, weed finally is like mostly legal now. And, you know, we have all these legal dispensaries and so forth. And it's, it's wild to just go into a store. Like I remember sidetracking for a second, but like going out to Oregon for the first time when they were the, one of the first places that had legal dispensaries and going to check one out and, you know, I had to hand my ID to the person for whatever they need to do with it. But it was really weird how because it's been so browbeaten into you like that this is bad, that this is, you know, it's illegal. It's not a good thing that it's like, you know, for all the positive things that it can do for people, it felt weird going in and being like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong just even being here. <laughs> but now it's like it's such a, a normal thing that it's like, you know, like I know when I went to go pick up like my uh vape pen cartridges and the edibles and shit this last time you know they brought it out to us and there was an old like old man sitting next to me in his car waiting like probably blasting doobie brothers and shit waiting for his like fucking you know pre-rolls and all that kind of shit and it's just kind of one of those where you're like (laughs) the stigma behind it is just like seemingly gone but it is still weird that it carries you know this thing where it's like yeah it may be legal in your state but to get a job you still need to pass a drug test and it's just kind of like but it's socially acceptable for me to go get fucking blackout drunk like that seems kind of weird. Yeah, it is. It is really weird, but it seems like we're finally like on the right path, you know, to like getting it legal and and all that. But yeah, it's just ridiculous for a while. Like, because I'm not like a a criminal or anything like that. <laughs> but like a- everything, like back when I lived in Connecticut, anytime I would get in trouble with the police or anything it'd just be for like a little bit of weed and it's just like man you know what i'm going to california where you can have a lot of bit of weed on you and no one gives a shit because i'm like done and oddly enough i've never been in trouble with the law since moving to california so how was how was that transitionally for you moving from the east coast to the west coast because i know in my travels out 
I've only been to to LA and I know that's not really indicative of how the rest of California is, but it was weird because I feel like I am even having gone back to the East Coast a couple of times in the last year or so. I still feel like East coasters are, are kind of a different breed in the fact that I feel like we move quickly. We love hustling. Like it's just something about the yeah, East coast mentality. Everybody always knows I'm from the East coast, like immediately out here. <laughs> I get it on occasion. Usually when I get drunk or I hang around East coast people, I'll start picking up on some of my East coast mannerisms, but like, it's I mean, I've even said that recently where I'm like, you know, being out in the East Coast is it's it's so weird how the dialects are different based on, you know, you, Boston has its own. Rhode Island's kind of got its own dialect. Yeah, has yeah. got its own like Virginia's got its own like there's nowhere else in a we'll say a 10, 15 hour radius. Will you see such a drastic change in in spoken dialect other than the East Coast, like West Coast? I feel like it just kind of gets a little more like slowed down you know, Southern and just turn up the Southernness on it. And that's about it. But like, it's fucking wild. Like, you know, I heard someone talking the other day and I was like, Oh, I know that dude's from Philly. Like I could just fucking tell. <laughs> All I need him to say, like he just needs to say John at some point, And like, I'll be like, yep, Philly knew yeah, it. Yeah. John <laughs> going on a South street to cop some John's. John's where literally John could be an adjective, a verb. Yeah. <laughs> it could be I love anything. It. Like when we when we made the exoskeletons record, Nicky Money's from Philly, and mm. yeah, he put me on to John. I was just like, that's how he explained it to me. He was just like, yeah, it could be you anything. know anything, some sneakers, you know, like some food, a girl, like whatever. It can. Yep. I really don't even know. I should look into the history of how that word even came to be. Like I don't even know its origin. I just know that like. True Philly people or people who grow up around other like Philadelphians. I mean, you just know that that's like a fucking word. Yeah. John's <laughs> <laughs> love but, that shit. <laughs> but like I found when I went out West, like it just was too chill and laid back. Like the fact that everyone doesn't really fucking start their day until like noon or one. That just ain't me. Oh, yeah, that's L.A., though. That's some L.A. shit. I lived in L.A. like my first probably six months I was in California. And, uh, yeah, it's just too much. uh, I had lived in Boston before that, and Boston's a very, like, you know, walking-friendly, transit-friendly city. And L.A. is just like you got to drive everywhere. It's like I hate driving, you know. I don't. So it's like LA just I loved it, you know. I got lots of homies there, but it just it, it just wasn't for me. But hmm. it didn't take too much alchemating for me to to really find my bearings out here because I had been out in, in California a bunch. Like I came out when Daryl did the head automatica record and had spent a bunch of time in San Francisco and stuff, and like yeah, the, you know, did the whole LA thing. Cause like the, the thing with LA is like when you go there on tour. <laughs> like, yeah this is great you know like all oh, everybody's out. kicking it and yeah exactly then when you live there it's just like oh yeah uh meet me here it's fucking eight miles away it's gonna take you you know two know. and a half hours with the traffic <laughs> to get there <laughs> yeah no yeah that was that was the one thing like you know i've you know getting to talk to uh 
because we went to go see 18 visions. So getting to talk to, and it was really weird. Cause I realized like between a lot of the DVDs that I used to watch of like a lot of the bands, you know, like every time I die and so forth, like it was weird going to the Roxy, like where I've heard a lot about like legendary bands going and shit like that. But it was weird. Cause I, I realized like I'm so ensconced kind of in the scene a little bit. Like I remember seeing, um, ah, fuck now I'm totally uh, Zach. And I was just like, Oh shit, it's Zach. And then I was like, no one cares. No one cares. Like, it's running silence. Like, it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing against him. But I just remember being like, oh, there's Zach. Or like, oh, there's Biggie. Like, there's like, and I started recognizing yeah. everybody. And it was All like one OGs. of those. Yeah, but it was weird because I was like, oh, these people are someone to me. But like, they're probably like, no one here probably gives two shits. And yeah. I remember at that show during Tower of Snakes, uh, fucking, uh, God, what the fuck's his name? Davey Havoc. Fuck, like my wife had to like pull me back because I almost caught a windmill from him because he was getting down in the pit and his like weird like yeah. tunicky thing. And he, that dude moshes hard, man. I've talked about that on Twitter before. <laughs> He's a hard ass mosher. Yeah, I almost caught one right to the face uh, toward the end of their set, and I was just like, like I was like, thanks for pulling me back. I was like, although that would have been an even greater story. Like, what happened to your face? Oh, Davy Havoc would like was getting down during Tower of Snakes uh, <laughs> during 18 Visions set and just fucking roundhoused me. Davey Havoc kicked me with his patent leather fucking thigh-high boot. No, nah, he was... This was like when he... I don't know if he still wears it, but that was like... When he was wearing that weird like onesie like tunicky thing, it was all white. Oh, no. I don't... I never... I didn't okay. see him with that look. Last time I saw him... He uh he showed up to the Cold Cave show backstage. I was back there kicking it with Wes or whatever, and he showed up straight up Miami Vice style, just like <laughs> the drip, a, like a powder pink, just like two piece suit, t shirt underneath, looking just dapper as fuck, man. This must have been when he had just cut his hair and got that like pompadour. Yeah, he was he was pumped up. Yeah, he was pumped up for sure. But man, shouts out Davey Havoc. That's like, I remember the first time I ever went to Gilman Street, uh, Haybreed played. And uh, yeah, just this dude with just like, he looked like the fucking crow, you know? <laughs> he was wearing a uh, like a, fi- a long sleeve fishnet shirt, but he was just mobbing on fools during Haybreed, just like moshing unbelievably hard like it was awesome people are like oh yeah yeah that dude's like he's in a band afi and i was just like okay yeah you know whatever (laughs) next thing i know fucking afi is just massive and but yeah he's uh he's always he still still goes to hardcore shows still moshes like Eternal respect to Davey Havoc. No Davey Havoc slander on the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he seems like he would be a really interesting person to, to chat with just because he's oh, so dude, into yeah. like so yeah. much different music. Like, I feel like he would be one where it's like, oh, do you want to go into like this weird like dark synth wave kind of shit? Or do you want to talk about like weird hardcore obscure hardcore bands that even i probably don't know really really knows a lot about like older hardcore and stuff it's awesome to talk to talk shop with him for sure kind of uh speaking a little bit about talking shop so i mean you had kind of mentioned a little bit ago about how you know used to and probably still do when touring comes back but you know uh djing for people how did you get into that like what was kind of your far way into you know becoming a dj um 
Well, back in the day, everybody in my neighborhood was just like I grew, I grew up in the in the hood, for lack of a better word. So everybody was into the rapping thing and everybody around me was a rapper and like I can't fucking rap, you know. <laughs> so, uh yeah, like I just, you know, kind of picked up on the DJing thing or just like, I mean, it wasn't even DJing at first. Like I would just show up like, oh yeah, I'm their DJ. And then I would just have a Walkman <laughs> with, their, with their songs that they were about to play on it. And then like, I would, you know, press play and just stand back there or whatever and hit stop. Just like, that's what the new DJs do now. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. But that's what <laughs> I did back then. That's what I did back then. And just like, yeah, little, you know, little uh neighborhood parties and just like high school events and stuff like that shit at like the at the community center like in my neighborhood but yeah and then uh you know i just like kind of transitioned from there into like you know got some turntables got a trash mixer started and i started luckily i didn't go too deep into when when getting records was a thing but i still have like a pretty sizable stack of like white labels and and old hip-hop records and stuff but it started kind of uh transitioning into like people using serato and stuff back then so i didn't i jumped on that like fairly quick sean f sean got it and that was it i was hooked i i used it more in his crib than he used it <laughs> what uh So it's funny, like we see now the thing becoming where, you know, like someone from a band, I, th I think Keith's even guilty of this now where he'll get tapped to do like an after party where he quote unquote DJs. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know Andy does like the, you know, Andy. Andy's the first uh, emo first. night. Sure. Yeah, he does like those things, too. Um, were you ever tapped to kind of, you know, come out on the road with some of your friends and just kind of maybe be like, hey, like you're going to take over and run like kind of sound or whatever oh, i've done i've oh wait to to no nothing like that i don't i don't know i don't i'm i don't know anything in, in that regard <laughs> i can mix music together but i can't just like mix music like this needs to come up higher or something no i meant more yeah no i meant more like you know just kind of like instead of there being like a random sound guy playing something like hey here's you know chauncey up on stage like spinning in between what you know set up oh, yeah, i've done that i was basically like my chemical romances you know after party dj for for like two tours pretty much and yeah i've done like some of the you know warp tour after parties and like roll around and do that and yeah i've i mean i haven't done it as like a full-time thing but yeah i've definitely like hopped in the van with every time i die and just we just find a place for an after party every night and do that you know make a little bread party <laughs> with the boys that would be Interesting, just because uh, it was funny as you were talking about Cabin earlier, and they obviously just did that uh, split, uh, seven inch split, which I'm really enjoying. That uh, what is it, two two minutes to midnight or whatever? That they're bringing that back, like the the seven inch splits. Like, yeah, I feel cool. like that used to be a big part of the hardcore scene. When you know, I, th I think you're a little bit older than me, but like you know, growing up, like that was a thing 
where it'd yeah. be like, oh, like this band, like, you know, Judge, I think used to have a bunch um, and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, you would find these cool splits. And then even for Record Store Day over the last, you know, 10 years, they've been doing like the covers, like where it's like one band, like I have a Cure 7 inch where it's just like heaven. And then on the other side, which to me, it should have been AFI's cover, but they used uh, Dinosaur Juniors. So it's like the same song being covered by you know, two oh, different okay. artists. Or yeah. The original I, and the I cover. love Two Minutes to Midnight concept of having people cover each other's songs. I think that's so cool. It's uh yeah, it was really interesting seeing and I think the Eastside one was the first one they've done, but it was yeah. interesting seeing the comments because like a lot of people were like, you know, Cavens was really cool because it's not necessarily like what they do. But they're like, and Eta just kind of did the song as it is. And I was like, yeah, but Eta doesn't write or play music like that. So that's what's interesting about it is like they were able to do it so well when that's not the kind of sound that they have. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the new one should be interesting, too. The next one is going to be integrity and nothing. That yeah, Aaron. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get that dude on eventually. Yeah, Jesus peace slaps, man. Yeah. Yeah, I was really so bummed. Man. I was supposed to see them on that. Was it the Acacia Strain tour that they were on? I think toward the end of last, like the last band that was trying to make touring a thing when the yeah, pandemic hit. I missed made- that tour. They everything went into quarantine that day. I was so hyped to finally see Fuming Mouth because they were opening that tour, and then no bueno. Tour yeah. canceled. Yeah, that was that was some interesting shit to literally see. Cause like Tom's the homie and just kind of seeing like, like me texting him being like, are you guys making it to this next show that you just announced? He's like, I don't know, man. Like we did one where he played one venue two times because we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't get the people. in, so we did two shows in one day at one venue. So we could have like the 50% and then the 50%. Oh man. And I was like, yeah. that's cool. At least he's like, yeah, I mean, but yeah, we basically went all the way out to the East coast or West coast. And then basically the tour canceled and we were trying to find anything on the way back but like you know he lives in like the carolinas uh griffin i think lives like in iowa or something like that and like you know uh vincent and all them are like east coast so it's like there's no convenient way to get everyone back home no not so it's like when that's happening you're just like flying like couldn't happen at that point so you're just kind of like i guess we're making the long trek to drop you all off from the west coast louise that is insane yeah and I know he had said that they had just bought or had like all their tour merch sent to like one of the dates. So they had all this merch that they essentially couldn't sell. Ooh, so terrible, terrible. Yeah, not great. No, absolutely not. Speaking of uh, making merch, though, you've been uh, getting into the uh, the old boot game of sorts. Yeah, I've been doing the boot game. I've been in the boot game for a little while. Mostly do like it's like bootleg rap shirts. I made this one. Uh, did a couple like hardcore shirts, did like a biohazard one, did an anthrax public enemy one, but yeah, that's uh, I got a little cease and desist, so I'm taking a little <laughs> taking a little vacay, but I mean, that's it, that's all part of the of the of the booting game, you know, it'll yeah. happen, but I mean, at least I didn't do Sepultura, they get everybody's ass, do they really? Oh my god, yeah, they're. Them and Bolt Thrower, like, the most diligent. I mean, but to be fair, they're, like, two of the most bootlegged, like, bands in that genre. So, yeah. I guess I didn't know that there was that much of a demand for Sepultura merch that it's, like, heavily booted. Bolt Thrower, I could understand. 
the old Sepultura merch. Everybody wants that like third world posse era Sepultura stuff that's just like really hard to come by. Like I seen like an original blue grape, like uh third world posse era Sepultura shirt on eBay for like six hundred bucks. And the thing was fucking cooked. Like six hundred dollars. I could see if the shirt was brand new, never worn, but it was like worn. You know when a shirt's worn so much it's got like the little rips where the print is like this shirt was absolutely cooked and they're still probably going to get 600 for it because that's just how people are now pay to win. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny. A friend of mine that tours uh, or not anymore basically got into that world of like basically buying vintage shirts and even like some of the boots and stuff like that. And it's wild. Like, you had posted uh, the other day your God. I want to say it was a Cypress Hill shirt uh, on Instagram. I'm gonna pull it oh, up. Oh, maybe. Oh, wait, wait. No, the uh, the Cure shirt. Um, was it that one? That was. I don't know. I post up a lot of shirts, though. I got. I'll pull it up real quick, just because I for the and sake the, of and the, the 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 thing that sucks is like I got rid of most of my old like my old shirts and stuff. I had some grails, but uh, this is going to like bum me out that I, I, cause like you posted it. And then like the fucked up thing is, is like that day on my, cause my friend now does like two, uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I think he does like band tees only like online, like Instagram live, uh, auctions or whatever. Oh, nice. Uh, it's going to bum me out. I, but like you posted a shirt you had, and then you were like, oh, I see like a lot of people are, um, you know, wiling out for this shirt and blah, blah, blah. An hour after I saw your post about that shirt, like, here's this dude holding one up. And he's like, yeah, like, it's a stack. It's a stack. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's fucking wild to see like how much some of these shirts and shit go for now. And I mean, like, I've been guilty of buying some myself. Like, I bought, I have him holding one right now for me, a, a Legia shirt, uh, just because I can't can't find Legia merch anymore because they barely were around. Yeah. Um, but it was like a thing. Gotta where, boot it. That's why you gotta boot it. <laughs> well, so what's funny is like, you know, I have like my DMX hoodie that I bought at that show. Like if you follow DMX on Instagram, he had the tour merch of the tour I went and saw. And I was on the fence about buying another hoodie and a t-shirt just because I didn't buy a shirt at the time, but it would be cool to have one with the, the date on the back. And then I wanted a backup to my hoodie so I could keep wearing my hoodie, but I'd have a nice crisp one that I could, you know, just have. Yeah. And then he passed away and I was like, fuck, I should hurry up and go buy one real quick from them. That's official before it just gets skyrocketed. But yeah. I, just, I have it. But like now I'm like, cool. Well, I guess I'm not really same with like my Kanye life of Pablo tour hoodie. Like I barely wear it. Cause it's like, it was like over a hundred bucks for a hoodie that barely had any graphic on it. Yeah, I, I got one. I have yeah. one too. <laughs> yep. But it's one, of, like it's one of those things, like where it's like, okay, like a lot of people gave me shit for buying that hoodie. Like, you know how much those hoodies actually cost? It's like, yes, I make fucking at the time. I work for a screen printing company that makes shit for like Diamond and Pack Sun stuff. And like, yes, I know how oversaturated yeah. the the. You know how much a Gildan hoodie costs? <laughs> exactly. So I know, and I go, but that's kind of the allure of buying this Kanye hoodie is that it's funny that I paid this much and I know how much it's not really worth. Yeah. But and it's, and it's one of those things too, that it's just like, I mean, it's, e- 
even the fact that you were able to obtain one is a flex within itself with his merch, you know? The, the flex really would have been, and I I really would love to either get him or somebody in his camp on, on something like this so I could be like, okay, so you literally had tour merch that was dated specifically for that that venue. Like, so like the here, show here in GR, you had stuff that was like our date, our venue, all that stuff that he likes to do where it's very limited to the show you went and saw. How much money did you lose making all of that oh, merch? He always loses money going on tour. I mean, the dude, he they told him he was going to lose money trying to bring a, a mountain into the mm. arena every night, but he's just like, fuck it. He's Kanye. If he yeah. wants a mountain in an arena every night, he's going to fucking put a mountain in an arena every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it really pissed me off because like i've only i've only ever gotten to see him on the life of pablo tour which to me i mean it would have been cool to see him on some of the other stuff uh being a huge kanye fan but oh pablo to me, tour was dope though you but like for that like it no i did that's my thing though and like i mean <laughs> yes um but like, and I actually have like a weird canvas print because I get weird Kanye stuff like sponsored ads all the time. So I got this like weird, uh, like poster kind of thing, and it's uh, like all the Kanye bears for every record. So it's like oh, in a little okay. like thing. I'll send you a text with the photo. And I accidentally bought two, so my wife's gonna put one in her office at work <laughs> and be oh, real nice. weird about it. Nice. But it was a thing to me, like you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people. That was the most like insane show i've seen where like there was no bathroom song I, I don't know about your date but like i literally never saw a single person leave to go to the bathroom like everyone was fully engaged the entire hour and a half set that he played yeah and it was just fucking nuts like to see him command a whole a whole arena like that um yeah, yeah. It's and fun. he's one of the best i mean I mean, say whatever you will about him as a person. Like, yeah. I will not debate that. But like, <laughs> he puts on one of one of the best live shows I've ever seen. Like, hands down. I think what was funny about it is we had a, a reviewer. I had asked to review the show because I've gotten to. I used to review shows for a local like online site here, and they always just labeled me the metal hardcore dude. And it was funny. Cause like I had, I got to review Janet Jackson cause I was there cause I wanted to be there. Um, and then they're like, Hey, I know you're there. Can you write a review? And I was like, I'm just the metal guy though. Remember that. <laughs> like I, got, I, I did the same thing for like little Wayne. They couldn't get their person in. So I got to review little Wayne. Um, uh, little Wayne's another one too, man. I, uh, uh, my girl loves little Wayne and, uh, we went to go see him a couple years back, and like I'm, I'm a fan. I like the the older like Hot Boys stuff or whatever. She's more like the the big hits. But uh, God damn, he's another one where you just don't realize how many just bangers he has until you're at his show and he's just like blasting them out. Like in some cases, one right his- after the other, like. And then on top of that, he'll just fire out his like guest spots too on songs. So you're just like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, absolutely. When he did his Hot Boys medley, mm. I was going so far. And because I'm a million years old, you know, Same. I was fucking losing my mind, you know, and he like, he 
visibly saw me like I 100% shit you not he visibly saw me just losing my marbles singing along to every word it was probably easy because I was the only person singing along to every word and uh yeah you know those like seated arenas and shit it's pretty easy to just fucking <laughs> I was losing it but yeah he put on such a good show man and uh did he have the band with him on that one or no uh yeah but he wasn't doing like full like every song with a band like some some songs would just be him and the dj and like yeah he had people just like raising up and out of the rafters like when the band needed to come back just like come come down from the rafters or just like yeah it was wild man and uh t-pain played that show too and it's like i'm not a t-pain or i wasn't a t-pain fan (laughs) until after that night and like yeah he put on a great show too it's like I mean, I love anything over the top like that. That's why, like, I love the Yeezus tour, and like, I love, I love a nice, like, a spectacle. Like when My Chemical Romance used to have the like the house that would just light on fire halfway through the set. Like, I love a spectacle, like an arena spectacle like that. Yeah, I definitely think Kanye was that for me. And the thing that really pissed me off about the guy who reviewed the show is he just like missed all of what you we were seeing on that tour so like he was like kanye is so egotistical like there was no band on any of the stage and i'm like but dude kanye makes all of his own music so he would be the band yeah well and then not not, he he don't need a band he had mike dean like he just had mike dean over in the corner in his little pod yeah i mean obviously mike dean's not gonna be on the tilting stage his ass would fall off the amps would fall off (laughs) but it was it was one of those things like in the review the guy was just like you know he's so egotistical like he's on a stage with the spotlight on him and i was like spotlight wasn't really on him it was more of a casting a shadow so it's almost that he take him away and it's more about the music. Like, again, you missed the whole fucking point of the visual of what we were seeing, yeah. which was he's not above anyone. He's not below. He's he's all around all of us to kind of provide this experience. And it's yeah. music. And, not like him. You, and if you don't like him you're, and if you're just a casual fan or you're somebody who just outright doesn't like him, like, of course, you're going to shit on him. You yeah. know, he's one of those artists that it's. It's so polarizing. There's like, there's basically zero middle ground with Kanye. You either love him or you absolutely hate him. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've never received more hate. Like I'll have people just come up to me and be like, I don't like, like when I was going to that show, I had a lot of people like, Oh yeah, here you're going to that Kanye show. And I'm like, yeah. They're like, I fucking hate him. And I was like, Okay. Yeah, but it's, I don't know what I want yeah, to do with that. Why? Why? I mean, like when I don't like something, I just, just don't talk about it. I don't get that invested in it. Yeah, people. It's like people who don't. When something pops off with Kanye, the people who lo- who don't like him will be talking about him as much as the people who dislike him. And you're doing exactly what Kanye wants you to do and talk about Kanye. You know. Well, that's like I had a. I think like you know I had even when my beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out or was getting ready to come out and he put out that like forty long forty minute long uh, like Michael Jackson esque uh, video of him kind of the movie he made where he then is playing all the bits of the album, and I remember like looking at my at the time my girlfriend but now my wife and I was like, 
if this is what like a year of him basically going crazy in front of everybody is going to get us is like a record this fucking good. Let him keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Let him while out. <laughs> Cause this is how he reigns himself in with this awesome music that I'm all about it. He'll it'll, it'll be interesting to see his, uh, next record, his what he does post Kanye Kardashian work. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if he'll go. Cause like I was, I was a little pissed cause I just got that, uh, that's uh, I don't know if it's a seven inch or not. I'm trying to look for it. That uh, that new single he put out, like that's still kind of on that like Jesus is King. Oh uh, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And he I was like, to get, he needs to get out of that. I'm not into the this Sunday the weird or... air. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not into the whole thing. But <laughs> we need Con. We need crazy Kanye back. We need Jesus Kanye back. That was the era of Kanye. I just got tattooed on me a couple of months ago. Was, uh, yeah, what'd you get? I forget I can't actually do this because of the camera I can move. Let's see if it'll... Oh, with the stunner shades. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, with the stunner shades. That's what's up. But I was like, okay, like I want kind of that ignorant Kanye like when he really <laughs> was like, I'm, a, I'm unapologetically me. And you can love me or hate me, but fuck it, I'm gonna do me. And so, yeah. like you know, I always try to like take something away from from different artists I like. And to me, like that's the one thing: love or hate Kanye, he's unapologetically himself. And sometimes we all could use a little bit of that. That's yeah, absolutely. He's like more punk than a lot of punk bands, you know. Like, yeah. It's hard for people to, to, you know, and it even goes back to what we were saying earlier about how, like you had said, and I wholeheartedly agree with it, excuse me, about how the new hip hop crowds basically and, and artists are basically, you know, the new, you know, rock stars, essentially. And people don't want to yeah. hear that, but it's like, yeah, no, like, that's that's what's happening. Like, you can sit there and say no all you want, but go to a show yeah, and it's you'll learn. true, because like, what do people consider like, do people in the mainstream consider rock music these days even anymore? It's like imagine dragons or like the foo fighters or something, you know, like that shit has no balls to it. I mean, no offense to Dave Grohl. You know, I love Nirvana. It's like one of my favorite bands, but yeah, it's like rock music. And I mean, at least on the mainstream level is just like, it is dead. And people definitely don't want to hear that, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think there are. I was just talking with Mark from Periphery about this the other day where I was like, you know, because we were talking about sports and we were talking about, um, you know, how I would say the fandom of sports is almost that at times or the elitism of sports is almost the same with with rock. Where I don't feel like you get it as much with other genres necessarily like you might have people in the hip-hop scene who might be like oh you know it only got good when it was biggie and tupac and you know some of the underground stuff of like jurassic five the roots and yeah. you know dilated peoples and stuff like that but you know i think by and large you tend to find that rock and more so metal is such an elitist group of fans that it's almost like sports where it's like you have some people like myself like i'm a braves fan i've been a braves fan since Deion sanders played for him and back in like 95 and yeah, we were winning then, but we've had some real fucking lean years over the last 20 some odd years since we last went to a World Series. And it's one of those things where 
that's kind of the fun thing about being a fan of a team. Same with like being a fan of a, a genre. Like, you know, for every band, like a hate breed where I'm like, I love this band. They're consistent. They always do what I want them to do. I'm still a fan of trying to find things. Like I remember going to see code orange and twitching tongues for the first time in front of like 30 people and being like, yo, this is some wild ass shit. Like, you know what Colin was doing on at the time. I think disharmony disharmony was out coming out. And it's like, you know, it kind of combined like this weird, you know, thrashy kind of element and a little bit of like weird ambient, almost like typo kind of vocals and yeah, shit. Absolutely. That it's like, yeah. it married a lot of different stuff that I was like, I haven't heard this in a while, or I haven't heard anyone do these things. Same with code. Yeah. They were doing. It's and cool. Then, when, when bands take all their influences can, can actually make it, you know, cohesive as opposed yeah. to just like sounding like they're trying to rip it off or whatever. But I think that's the thing, though, is a lot of fans will just go, oh, it's just them ripping off so-and-so because they're just fickle or whatever. But I wish there was more of just a love of just embracing your thing. Like you, like maybe metal's not in the highest place or if you're more into tech metal or something like that, like maybe your genre isn't doing where you want it to be, but still be on the lookout for shit that like is cool and kind of championing that for a little bit. And I just don't understand why people are so quick to fucking shit on something because it's not what they want it to be it's like find something that you do like instead of or just really ride the thing you do love and ride for it hard and maybe uh, hope that it, it comes back like yeah too like i just don't i mean i guess i i kind of used to be like that when i was younger too but now it's like yeah like we were saying earlier if i don't like something it's just like that's it keep it moving talk about something i do like tell people about <laughs> something i do like i'm not gonna hear something not like it and then go to twitter and just be like this sucks this band sucks why does anybody listen to this band go listen to something i like and then talk about that instead <laughs> I wonder if it's just a byproduct of the age and time frame we grew up in where it's like, you know, we were taught if you just don't like something, just fucking ignore it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, especially with music too, like music is such a, I mean, it's, it's a very opinionated thing, you know? And it's like, I don't, I just, I don't go to bat anymore when somebody doesn't <laughs> like something I like, it's like, all right, man, you know, it's, it's whatever. I, I get it now, but back in the day, I would have probably been more prone to just like, let's argue. <laughs> I have the greatest taste in music of all time. Your taste is trash, but <laughs> it's, it's always, we're just in a world now, I think of just one upsmanship basically, or whatever, or having to prove that you're have the higher ground or whatever. And I'm just old and I'm like, man, fuck it. You can have the higher ground. I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Take the higher ground. <laughs> I'll be down here chilling. <laughs> what, uh, you know, in recent months, you've, uh, been Twitch, uh, streaming with Keith on the, the hard times network. Is it the podcast network or just the hard times? I can't remember um, if there's I, just the hard times. I mean, okay. maybe there's, maybe there's, uh, I, I mean, I know <laughs> they have like a little podcast channel and like a stocks channel and stuff like that. Yeah. And the hard stocks and the hard podcast and yeah. or the hard time stocks, the hard or whatever. Yeah. But okay. yeah, I was like, but, as yeah, I was thinking, I was like, shit, did I get it wrong? Their, their umbrella. Definitely. How have you uh, found that to, how have you found doing that? Cause I know, ironically, I've tried getting you, you and like, Jeremy Saffer are like two of the dudes I've been trying when I started this podcast. I was like, yo, I want to get you guys on. But both of you, I think at different times were like, I don't really do stuff <laughs> like this. 
So it's funny that now you're basically doing the Twitch streams and you just did your first solo uh, Twitch stream uh, this, was it Monday? I'm Yeah, yeah, Monday. I just, I mean, I've been enjoying it. I just kind of got just whisked into it out of nowhere. Keith, Keith had asked me to be a, a guest on there one day. You know, he was having guests like every Thursday, I think. And I don't know, I went on, I went on the one with him and, he was like, oh, yeah, come back. You know, people in the chat were like, have Chauncey back, have Chauncey back. He was like, you want to come back on Monday? I was like, all right, you know, why not? And I don't know. Next thing you know, I'm just go- going <laughs> just on Twitch. <laughs> How have you found uh, this this new kind of platform? Uh, it's not new, but new for you. Like, how have you found yeah. it to be? I, it's fun, man. It's like, uh, like, especially yesterday, I was just like, I was like, man, I want to, uh, I want to play Miles Morales again. You know, it's it's been a minute. Like, got up in the morning, was like, turned on the PlayStation, had some time to kill. Then I was like, wait, man, why don't like, <laughs> let me just jump on the stream and do it? You know, at least like bullshit with some people, maybe get some donations or whatever. And yeah, it, it went off. Like, it's really fun. Like I, I really enjoy it. I can't. The, the solo streams are a little weird. You gotta too much. I to sometimes do. feel like I'm talking to myself sometimes. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely definitely been into it. Nice little nice little variety Twitch channel. Yeah, you guys have done a really interesting thing with it. Between you know doing Fall Guys, um, which I. I I should look and see if I can get that on my PlayStation 4. I, I think both of you had. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's on PS4, definitely. Right. Then I should, because uh, it looks it looks terribly aggravating, but in a fun way. Like where you can't be that upset about it. because you're So like, I'm, aggravating. Like I'm a weird, fat, blubbery monster thing going yeah. through jelly or whatever and <laughs> assaulting people, taking their batteries or whatever the fuck it is that you're doing when you're like doing this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I, there are times like when watching the stream, I'm like, am I watching Keith play or am I watching Chauncey play right now? And I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. It's like doing the gaming and doing the, uh, doing the reaction stuff. Like I'm a, I'm a big YouTube, like I love YouTube. So I was like, you know, kind of, kind of wanted to do the, like the reaction thing, but in the live setting, like over on Twitch, but yeah. Yeah, there was a show and like I I might cut this out cuz like if I can I have been trying to figure out how to get all my Twitch shit to work and it just is not working for me. Um because like I saw the, the comedian Shay Dozer, I don't know if you've seen him or know who he is. He's like the heavily tattooed comedian guy that always talks Oh about, yeah. Okay. Throat tattoos, face tattoos. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. So he's on Twitch and a lot of times he just sort of will watch whatever. So one day he was watching arms race or war of arms or something like that. The arm wrestling show that was on like AMC or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. They watched like the whole season of that. And like people were just wiling out in the comments being like, yo, fuck this guy, fucking Cobra all day long. Like, yeah, Cobra. And then you saw like a bunch of Cobra emojis like <laughs> in the chat and shit. And I was ready to go to bed. And then like, I watched that thing, like him watching that with people for like a solid four hours. Cause I just couldn't stop watching. And I was like, man, I, like that's the kind of shit I, I would love to do on it. It's just be like, 
all right, I'm going to watch something that I ordinarily would probably be watching, but like, fuck it. Let's, let's make fun of this thing and squeeze every goddamn yeah, joke I can out absolutely. of this thing. Absolutely. It's like, it's fun. It's like when you guys were doing fun. the CKY the other or shit, probably at this point, two months ago, I was like, Oh my God, so much nostalgia wrapped up in this for me. Like being an East coast person where it's like, that was where a lot of people were like, cause like, so I, uh, champion Wawa really hard. And, oh, uh, nice. when, nice. When I had moved out here, like there was a gas station I thought was a Wawa. And so like when people were watching CKY, they're like, what the fuck is this? What is this Wawa thing that like you and like in the show and all that shit? What is it? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, it's just basically like a giant superstore and a gas station. Like they have food, like good food you can go buy. Yes. Like, their sandwich bar is yeah. off the chain. That's like when uh, whenever I hear Andy going on about how much he loves sheets. I think I have this theory now that people like sheets because of the boom, boom sauce. And I think that's really what it is. I think that's the only reason they, they fall to sheets over Wawa is, is that, but there's also this weird loyalty to Bucky's that I don't quite understand. Oh no. The, 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 what are the things at Bucky's a little sweet? Uh, it's like, it's like, they're like corn pops. Okay. Those things are good. Those things are good. The Bucky's like, yeah, they're like corn snaps or something. <laughs> See, when you were talking, because like one of the things for those that maybe haven't chat, uh, caught a Twitch stream of Keith and Chauncey's, they also get big, heavily involved in the snack game. And so, oh my goodness, our <laughs> episode when we did the the the, and we're we're gonna do another one too. We're gonna. Mm. We're going to do a, a, a fast food tier and I think like a cereal tier. But yeah, when we did that snack tier, it's like that is the most our <laughs> chat has ever been going. Like I couldn't even – I had to apologize the, the next stream. I was like, yo, I watched back a little bit the other day and I'm sorry I missed so many comments. But that chat was just going so quick and like – People were going to war, man. Friendships were were forged <laughs> as well as lost in, in the chat that day. Well, like what's funny is like, you know, out here in Michigan, we we don't get it. Like, so some of the East Coast things I miss, we have, but we have like such shit versions of them. I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't this isn't really what this is. So like Hearst potato chips, I fucking love them so much. But that's an East Coast thing. That's like a Philly thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, now through, thankfully, the power of the Internet, you can just buy them and get them brought here. But, like, even my wife now is like, why are hers potato chips so much better than any chip we have out here? Like, even national brand, like Lay's, whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Like, they just – there's something fucking good about them. But out here, we have, like, ketchup-flavored hers chips. And you're like, who the fuck's eating that? Oh, that's, that's Canadians. Not, that's a Canadian thing. <laughs> I guess. I guess, but it's who like the one, fuck is eating these? Yeah, Canadians is yeah. your answer. <laughs> I, okay, I guess people are buying them and sneaking them up the two and a half hours to go to the border. <laughs> but Gonna it was drive down to Michigan this weekend, and <laughs> we got to load up on these hers ketchup potato chips. But. It was like between that and then like I was trying to explain friendlies because like I was like, oh, my God, I used to Ooh, love friendlies. Yes, and yes. I was trying to explain to my wife like what friendlies was. And I was like, yo, I used to go and I still would go. Get, I would still get this to this day if I could go to a friendlies. I get the upside down ice cream sundae, the clown. Yeah, with the cone as the hat. And the, and the Reese's Pieces, like for the eye and all the Reese's Pieces in the, yeah. Like, yeah, and there is, is uh, the, the whipped the ear cream, whip cream. Is his hair. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like out here, all you have are like the bullshit, shitty, like ice cream cakes. And you're like, that's not what friendlies is. It's not no, that. No. So I guess the Canadians are also coming to get the friendlies ice cream cakes too. It's friendlies just kaput. Are they gone? I don't know. The last time I went to, so the last time I went to Delaware for a funeral, um, which is, it was weird. Cause like Delaware has just popped up. Uh, since when I grew up there, like when I left in like 95, um, I think across from Dover Downs, like the casino slash track, there is still a friendlies like across the street from there, if I'm not mistaken. And it's still open, but I think, I think most of them have gone under. I think I, the last time I saw one was the last time I was in Connecticut, probably like eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. What is one of the bigger things you miss about? Food wise, from being out east, um, prob. Oh no, no, not even probably. Definitely, uh, Pepe's Pizza, New Haven, New Haven Pizza. Yeah, it's. I mean, I there's good. I mean, and I'm one of those like I'll I I'll eat a pizza. I'm one of those like <laughs> there's no bad pizza type of people. But yeah, you just I don't know. I just can't get it. Probably that. Probably that. And up until recently. I would have said Rita's too, the uh, mm. a custard and uh, an Italian ice place. But then I found out we we have one not too far from here. Oh shit! Had to go grab a couple pints. You're gonna have to put that on the stream and be just shit on everyone, flex on and be like, you whatever you say, it ain't as good as this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's gonna be hard. People eat some extravagant, allegedly eat some extravagant things in the chat. Well, like the Dorito dust on some shit on eggs. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Devil you were you were wiling out on that. Well, because he was so vague, I just thought. <laughs> well, he first he suggested um, Buff Snyder's uh, Hanover pretzel pieces, Buffalo. He's like, oh yeah, use these as uh, croutons. I was like, okay, that's that's not bad. And then he's like, oh, I got another one too. I'm like, all right, let's hear it. And it just said Doritos and eggs. Yeah. I was like, wait, wow. <laughs> like, what do you mean Doritos and eggs? Like, I like I just pictured like hard boiled eggs and Doritos and like that, just a bowl of both of them. But. With, with, a, with a nice au jus of Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we got a Mountain Dew drizzle, a code red drizzle. Nah, it's got to be that Baja fresh all over it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, those, uh, those streams have been a lot of fun. I, uh, enjoy, it's funny. Cause like, you know, my wife will come in when I'm watching different ones and I'm actually going to be, uh, doing a live one of these with a uh, Porter from Atreyu on his Twitch thing. And I'm kind of interested to see how it goes. Cause I'm like, shit is like the comments thing going to be just wiling out. I'm like trying to like carry a conversation and then watch that too. So it looks like I'm not even paying attention to it. It took me a little while to get, to get used to it. It's a lot going on on the screen with the chat flying and then like the bits and the fucking donations. Yeah. I don't understand so much of Twitch. Like what the fuck are bits? I don't understand what bits are like you're, I mean, anytime somebody donates, that's basically like a donation, you know, like, yeah. Buy something with bits. Um, yeah, when we cash them out to real money. Okay, okay. (laughs) 
but yeah, it's a, that's what bits <laughs> are. Bits are like a bit of money. I mean, we still sometimes get like donations of just like cash, but it's easier to it's easier to just buy the bits. It's through Twitch and yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah. there's so much of this stuff where I'm just like I I'm so in over my head. I don't know any of this shit. I'm like technologically dumb with a lot of yeah me too i had keith does everything in that aspect like yeah i mean i noticed you got a green screen too the the, one of the last times you were on and i was like oh man maybe i need to do that and get yeah he sent it to me and he just does it all like i tried setting it up myself on my own with the with the uh, with the PlayStation Five stream, and I just can't get. I could get like half of the room green screen, or like then this part's all like glitching out and patchy. But like, yeah, he's he's definitely the tech guy when it comes to all that. Like, yeah, I think it's been interesting. Stuff. I think it's been interesting to see a lot of band people going on Twitch and doing different stuff. You know, I'm not saying Keith is is Ben one. Uh, but it's actually going to be a comment I make during my interview in a couple hours. But, you know, I feel like at times it's 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 allowed us to kind of see more of of these people one on one and kind of get to know them as, yeah, as an actual person. Absolutely. And especially people like that with a band like Every Time I Die, because they're like it's just a real personable band anyways, you know, and people always like to. You know, get get a little bit of behind the scenes or whatever, and yeah, Keith, Keith rage quitting stuff. Make like I was like, you know, I figured he would be one. Oddly, I figured he would be one that would be very probably how I would play video games because like I've done because I got like the stupid fucking camera for PlayStation Four, and you know I was playing Miles Morales, but it's like a lot of times I forget that like I'm on something and I should probably be talking because I'm just playing a game, and I figured that's probably how Keith would be like just probably to himself. And yeah. to watch that dude just like get so worked up, especially during Fall Guys, he's like, ah, yeah. ah, ah, and absolutely. Like, I'm like, wow, dude. Like, I don't think I could play video games with you. Like, you get way too like ragey about shit. Like. Yeah, and he's <laughs> a uh, he gets extra frustrated too because he's new to consoles. He's a PC oh, okay. dude, so he's like a one hand like. Mm, I'm yeah, so dude. the controller is definitely like giving him some grief for sure. Yeah, no, I uh, consoles all the way, but like for me, but I was mad jealous you got a fucking PlayStation 5. I uh, opted because I'm more of a play- Xbox guy. So like when the pre-orders went up, I got my Xbox pre-order, got my shit day one. And then I thought I would be able to get a PlayStation 5 at this point, but that has been just Dude, no. I I didn't. I didn't pre-order a PlayStation because I was just like, eh, whatever, it's PlayStation. Just- Go to any Target or Walmart and just get one, but not the case, man. And like, I got it. Me and Keith both got them within a couple days of each other, and we got them while the getting was good because apparently the supply has just dwindled down again. And the steamy yeah, came out, and the plugs, the plugs went away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we know where those stimmies went. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, it's fucking imp- like I can't eat like I literally cannot even find a second controller like for my PlayStation. And even if I could find the second controller, it doesn't matter because you can't find the fucking thing to charge both of them at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I really Sony really dropped the ball. They They definitely dropped the ball on this release for sure. That's why I was really stoked with. Uh, I mean, coincidentally enough, as I'm like, as it sits right in front of me, like my 
Like I love the new controller. Like they didn't change much on this one compared to the other one. Like it's a little, like it's got like the textured grips and shit and it's a little bit more compact. So it plays really good. But the thing that they did that was smart was like, you know, the rechargeable battery things didn't have to, like they didn't refuck with all that. So it's like, I was able to keep almost all my accessories from the last one. So I was like, cool. Thanks. You're not fucking me completely like it seems like you're doing to the playstation people <laughs> is our is our xbox controllers they're bad they're battery right yeah like that's the one thing i okay. will say that i yeah. like more about playstation over xbox is that like literally you can charge your controller and that doesn't need batteries however i have because i bought this thing for like 20 bucks it comes with two rechargeable batteries. Yeah, I was going to say, I could It's got like a USB batteries. thing like this. It's got a USB thing, so I can literally plug this into my computer or my Xbox or whatever and charge my batteries, and then I don't need to fucking buy any. And yeah, I don't. I wouldn't be mad at batteries. That ain't, that's not bad. No. So it's it's not that big of a deal breaker for me, but I mean, some people are like, oh, well, because the uh, battery life isn't... You know, I don't care. Yeah, especially being all one controller willy over here for the time being. I wouldn't <laughs> mind if I wouldn't mind if they were battery charges at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just got a switch recently and I'm just kind of like trying to figure that out too. Cause like I was like, oh, maybe I can stream stuff on Twitch with that, but I don't know how all that works either. I uh I wanted to get one because I love Mario Kart. Like I was literally just gonna get one to play Mario Kart, but Keith said there's a bunch of like other stuff you got to get to be able to to Twitch stream with a with a switch. Like you need like a sound card and like yeah, oh. exactly. You know. Yeah, I don't even know what a sound card is. So there <laughs> Yeah, I I think I've spent a couple hundred dollars trying to like because like I have like I have this nice camera that I bought. I have a good microphone that's a couple hundred dollars, a little interface. Like I was like, dude, I should be ready to Twitch stream right off the gate and be great at this other than the games I'm not good at. But yeah, it, it's proven to be such a clusterfuck to do it that I was like, I don't like, I'm jealous of everyone I see with like a good looking setup. I'm like, how, how the fuck do you do all that? Dude, like, honestly, I wouldn't like, if I had to do it through the computer and all that, I would never, like I would just <laughs> never, I can't figure it out. But PlayStation five has a, as a camera, and there's you just broadcast right to Twitch directly from the screen. Like when I'm yeah. in Fall Guys, just hit the PlayStation button, the little panel come up in the corner, you know, broadcast, uh, whatever you want to call the stream, all those options, hit start, position your camera, and you're just going. Like it's so easy. I tried figuring out how to do like OBS and all this other stuff, but it's just like too complicated. Yeah, it's it's very Avril Lavigne. Um, <laughs> um, kind of in wrapping up, um, where can everyone find you online or anything you would like to plug? Um, yeah, I'm just on in, or uh, on on Twitter. Hit me up on Twitter at ChaunceyCC or follow uh, the Hard Time Stream on Twitch. It's uh, Twitch backslash the Hard Times Stream, I believe. Twitch TV, the hard time stream. I don't know. Go to my <laughs> go to my Twitter. It's in my bio <laughs> at Chauncey CC. <laughs> Get the followers up. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Maybe some more bootleg shirts will come out soon. Yeah, let's go. A- Hit me up for that SGP shirt. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for taking the time and looking forward to catching you on the next stream. 
Yo, thank you for having me, man. Greatly appreciate it. So that was my conversation with Chauncey. Man, what a good time that was. Uh, I did that basically on a whim. Uh, we had been texting about trying to get it done. And then, you know, I was just like, hey, man, like, I'm going to be home in a little bit. You want to get it done, like, in the next hour? And he's like, fuck it. Let, that's what's good. So we hopped on. You just heard it. Thoroughly enjoyed my time. I mean, it, it's not very often that, you know, you kind of get to talk to, I don't want to say historian necessarily, but I feel like Chauncey is kind of the historian of you know, the the East Coast hardcore scene. Like, he was around for a lot of things. He was around for a lot of the bands that are considered, you know, the OGs and the forefathers of kind of modern hardcore at this point, you know, with, like, hate breeds and so forth, but, like, has a foot firmly rooted in, like, the old school of, like, the AFs and the, you know, other mad balls and so forth. And, you know, just as a lover of that kind of music, I did find it funny when he was like, yeah, you know, like, some of these bands, you know, I just wasn't into because, like, I just wanted it, like, wild style, like, for a while. Um, so, you know, he missed out on some stuff, but I do appreciate the fact that he goes and, and tries to listen to the new stuff. I know he's been really championing Vane, Knock Loose, a lot of these other guys. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of cool. Like, sometimes you see those hardcore people and they grow up and they're like, ah, it ain't, it ain't gonna be as good as it used to be back in the day. It'll never be that good. Um, but sometimes you gotta have an open mind and sometimes you can find the things you loved about other bands in the newer bands. Um, so I love that he always champions the newer bands on the stream, you know, on his Twitter and so forth. Um, I also found it really amusing and I had completely forgotten about it until I went back to listen to the episode just to kind of like make some quick edits, uh, but that Soldier Boy story had me dead, dead all over again when I listened to it. Um, if you've never been to a rap show, I guess that's maybe something you just don't know is that like, you know, I know almost anyone I've seen, there's a shitload of smoking going on. There's, you know, probably a lot of other drugs being ingested and it's just, you know, about having a good time and letting loose. I will say, and I forgot to tell Chauncey this too, but, uh, when I went and saw uh, Kevin Gates on the Lucas Brasi tour, um, there were these two dudes who were smoking, like, the shittiest, loosest rolled joint. I can't even call it a joint. I can't even call it a blunt. I don't know what the fuck this thing was. It almost is like, you know, when you get, a, like, a burrito, but the person who makes the burrito just ain't, like, it's their day one, and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's, like, just just spilling out everywhere. These motherfuckers were smoking this this thing, and they're hitting it, and there's literally, like, weed coming out the end of it. Like, it's just, like, hanging. Like, the best way I could describe it kind of is almost like, you know, when you have, like, a cheesesteak, and some of, like, the cheesesteak meat's just kind of hanging out the other side of the bun. It was like that, and they are like, yo, you want to hit this? And I was like, no, I'm good. I don't need that. Like, I fucking sweat. <laughs> Shit was just falling out. I was like, nah, I don't need that, man. I'm good. But that's the thing, though. Sometimes you go to these shows, you have a good fucking time. Enjoyed the dancing story. I mean, it, dude just got stories. That's why I wanted to have Chauncey on. Like, I wanted to have Chauncey on because I know he's got great stories. I love that he just, you know, can kind of roll with whatever. We bullshitted about a lot of different things. And it may not be everything you're into, but I hope, I hope you had a good time and were entertained throughout the whole thing. I can promise you this. This was a very small taste of what you would get if you go over and check out, if you follow Chauncey. So here we go. Instagram, Twitter, Chauncey CC. There it is. Uh, if you would like to get more of Chauncey, though, in an audio or visual format, go to twitch.tv slash the hard time stream. 
Uh, you can see Keith and him streaming several times a week. Uh, I don't know if there's necessarily uh, a set schedule. I know, I think Keith is moving uh, and Chauncey works as well. So I know sometimes it's, but it's like right now it's Monday night. They're going. So I know they stream on Mondays. I think they stream on Wednesdays as well. Um, but you never know who's going to show up. Like recently they had Josh Scoggin from 68 on to, to watch a, I don't even remember what fucking show they were watching. But I honestly couldn't believe that Josh even knew how to, to log into a computer to get onto a webcam to to be broadcast on there. Um, they had Steve is from X the Chariot, now for the Fever 333. Jordan came on. They watched... Uh, uh, the Shit Happens DVD and Jordan and Keith, you know, kind of talked about it. I mean, they do all kinds of wild style shit. It's a it's a great time. Go follow them. Go support those guys uh, and watch them play Fall Guys. Like I said, uh, if you like keep up with this podcast, simple enough. BruceSpeakPod.com is your landing page. It's the same everywhere else on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Rate, review, subscribe. You know why those things are important. Just go ahead and do those if you are able to on whatever platform you are listening to this on. Word of mouth is a very, very helpful thing. It's uh, how a lot of these shows grow. And last but not least, our sponsors. We want to thank them for helping us grow and paying for all of our bills because this this podcast costs money to do. Uh, so thank you to rockabilia.com. Again, you heard everything in the beginning of the podcast. Rockabilia.com. Use our code BREW. Save 10% off your total purchase order. On Point Palmade, use our code BSP15. Take 15% off your total purchase order. Keep your beard and hair looking on point. And last but not least is the Bean Bastard Coffee. Go to thebeanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee. And we'll see you next week, where we are joined by Austin and Johnny of The Undertaking. See you then.